If you have your Bibles, turn to Second Chronicles chapter six. Second Chronicles chapter six, and you can also turn to Psalm chapter one twenty nine. Thank you, Father. So I've been talking about altars. Uh, last week we had Captain Rex. What a great time we had. And thank you all for being a part of those services and, and sowing into their ministry. Appreciate your hearts of sowing towards them and being a part of that. And uh, a lot of, you know, had, had some, you know, some visitors. We had, you know, a lot of great reports from people that just really received from their ministry. And um, we, we thank you for being a part of that. And also here Wednesday night, Dennis uh, ministered Wednesday night. A great message uh, about his testimony. So I encourage you to go online and, and listen to that. And, um, and so it's a, it's, a, it's a good thing. Amen. Um, and this coming Wednesday... I want to make this available. This coming Wednesday, we're in the youth building for preteen parents and youth parents. We're going to have a special meeting over there just to kind of educate some things about current things with our youth and things that they're facing and, and going through. And in here, the youth and everyone else will be in here, and I'll be ministering Wednesday night. So I encourage you to be here. Um, you know, either if you're a parent uh, to a teenager or preteens, encourage you to go to the youth building and then here, uh, we'll, we'll hear the word in here. But uh, I want to get into the word this morning. I, I, I've been ministering on altars and, and, uh, you know, it was six, seven months ago now that the Lord had me go sit down on one of the altars that we had in the back modular building. And I sat down on it and the presence of God just came all over me. And, and, and I was like, Lord, what, what's going on here? He goes, I want you to pastor your people. He said, pastor. He didn't say teach. He goes, I want you to pastor your people about the importance of altars and what altars mean. And in this, we've learned that, that an altar is a place of mercy. We've learned in Hebrews that, that an altar isn't a necessarily a place, but the altar is a person. Yes. Hebrews says, we have an altar, and it says, therefore, we go unto him. So the altar is referring, is referring to Jesus. I'm not discounting an altar in a church building, but you, you can create an altar every, anywhere you are, everywhere you are, but understanding it's about meeting with God. It's about meeting with Jesus. It's about, it's about, it's about laying things down and picking things up and picking up things different than what you lay down. <laughs> you know, the altar. And we also learned that we celebrate the altar is a place where we celebrate the finished works of Jesus. So let's look at 2 Chronicles chapter 6, and we'll get into Simon I have this morning. 2 Chronicles chapter 6, verse 4 said, And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, who hath with his hands fulfilled that which he spoke with his mouth to my father David, saying. So this was the blessing. This was a blessing that he was speaking over all of God's people that were present at the dedication of the temple. So he's, he's, in, the, he's in the temple of God and he's saying this blessing and he declares it over them and everyone stands to hear this blessing. And the blessing was that God would fulfill with his hands what he had spoken with his mouth. I want you to know that there's some things that God wants to God wants to do with your, that, that he wants to fulfill with his mouth. He wants to fulfill with his hands what he's spoken with his mouth in your life. There's things that, 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 that you may be believing God for. There's things that we're standing on as a church and that this is a year of restoration, recovery, and recompense. It's a year of first. It's a year that we'll see an outpouring of the goodness of God like never before. It's a year of, of abundant overflow. And, and so I believe that God wants to do with his hands what he said with his mouth. Amen. Do you believe that? Yes. Do you believe that? Yes. Now let's look at first 
I mean Psalms 129. Psalms 129. Now, in my life, I know there's some things that God wanted to do in my life. But yet there was, were some things that I was doing that was hindering what God wanted to do in my life. There's some things that he wanted to do with his hands, but yet Justin was doing things with his hands. You know what I mean? There's, there's things that, that I was trying to do his job. I was trying to do the thing that only God can do. And when Justin tried to do things with his hands, it, it would be like a mess. Because, see, I, I want him to fulfill with his hands what he said with his mouth. Now, let's look at this. Psalms 129 says, Many a time have they afflicted me from my youth. May Israel now say. Many a time have they afflicted me from my youth, yet they've not prevailed against me. Here, he says it two different times. Many a time have they afflicted me. The word afflict means to bind. It means to oppress. It means to, it means to, uh, to, to fence in on every side. And here it's saying, he's saying, many a time have they afflicted me from my youth. May Israel now say. Then it says it again. It wasn't saying it because, because you know, he didn't remember he wrote it the first time. He's saying it because, because it's an emphasis. It's saying you need to understand this because there's things that have tried to come against you from your youth that's trying to keep you back from what God has promised with his mouth. There's things that God had promised with his mouth, but there was things that I was facing because of things that happened to me in my youth that was hindering me to step into what we, what he wanted me to step into the present. There's things that happened in the past and there was things that I was holding on to that was keeping me from walking in what God wanted me to walk in. So many a time have they afflicted me from my youth, may Israel now say. Many a time have they afflicted me from my youth, but I love, you how many people love a good story? I love a good story. A good story is a good story because it has a good ending, right? See, he, he, this first part of the story, we're saying many a times that they afflicted him. May Israel now say, and it says it again, but I love a good story. It says, but they've not prevailed against them. See, the enemy may have afflicted you from your youth, but I declare of you this morning that he will not, he will not, he will not prevail against you. He will not overcome you. He will not overtake you. Israel. Who is Israel? Now we know Israel. We know that came from Jacob. Jacob's name was changed from Israel, was, was changed from Jacob to Israel. We know Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then, and they became Israel. So here we're seeing this promised people. So Israel was God's promised people. They were to come out of bondage and be carried into a what promised land. So the enemy had afflicted them and all the while God was wanting to get them into a promised land. That was God's heart. That was God's desire. I want to ask you a question as I get into this this morning. What has afflicted you from your youth? And what may be hindering you from stepping in to the promises of God for your life? What has the enemy, has the enemy tried to afflict you with past failure? Disappointments, poverty, what someone did to you, someone said to you, what has tried to oppress you from your youth? Let's go to Genesis. 
And we'll go to Genesis 28. So this was afflicting Israel from their youth. So let's look at the life of Jacob to see the affliction that, that, that Jacob faced and later became Israel. Remember, it was from his youth. Now, the story of Jacob goes a little like this. You start seeing it in Genesis 25. And you have Isaac. Isaac marries Rebekah. And Isaac is 60 years of age. And he, he gives birth. They give birth to, they have, they have twins. And when, when the twins come forth... Now, let me say this first. Now, thank you, Father. Who named Isaac? God did. God told them what to call Isaac, and you shall call him Isaac, and his name meant laughter. But who named the twins? God didn't. The parents did. Now think about this for a second. I'm, I'm just laughing because it's just get this. Now, now think, okay, here, Isaac, the first one comes out. They, they look at him and they call him Esau. Why? Because he came out and he was red and hairy. I, I mean, if your mom looked at you. And looked at you and had to call you what you look like. <laughs> In your first service, I was like, I think his name will be Alien. Uh, how about, uh, oh, look like a little peanut. I mean, what if that was your name because you went by the appearance? I mean, think about it. You know, you, you know, um, messy. Purple. I mean, there's all kinds of things, but here it is. Here it is. They got their name. He got his name based on what he looked like when he came out of his mother's womb. I mean, I mean, think about that. I mean, I think I'd rather God pick a name than what I looked like when I came out of the womb. How about you? And then, then they call Jacob. They call him Jacob because why? Because of his actions. What was his actions? He was holding on to his brother's heel. Coming out of the womb. And they called him Jacob, which means supplanter. And it means someone that illegally seizes someone else's position. And so here, they didn't, get, they didn't get their names from God. They got their name based on their appearance and their actions. I'm so glad my name is Justin. Righteous one. But you may have a great name that means something great biblically, but you might be carrying a name that has been defined by either your appearance or your actions. What label are you carrying? What afflicted Israel from their youth was their identity. Their identity. And then they had, they had issues with their identity all the time, so much so that they wanted to be like other nations. 
They're like, we, we want a king like everyone else has a, has a king. And God's like, okay, so be it. But hey, your children are going to be sold into slavery. You're going to have to pay more than you want to pay. You're going to have to do this. But hey, you, you, want, you want to be like every other nation? Then have at it. Why? Because they, were, they, they, they wanted a different identity. They wanted a different perspective. And here, Jacob was totally defined by what he had become and, and who he was. And because of his name, he acted out his name. And you know what? His mom even had a part to play. His mom is even saying, hey, you know, um, you know, why don't you, you know, it's time for, you know, your dad's really old. After all, he was 60 when he had you. And I mean, I mean, come on, you know, Jacob's, you're a quiet, subtle man. That's what it says. It says you're a quiet and plain man. That's what it called Jacob. But yet Esau was rough. He was a hunter and he was hairy. He was hairy. And so the mom goes to Jacob and says, Hey, Hey, go kill an animal and, and put, and put at fur on your arms. And so when your when your father can't see, you know, we'll, we'll like move the hands or something and, and he's going to feel your, Oh, Oh. And so he says, Oh, you're, you're, Oh, you're, you're, you're the oldest. I'm going to bless you because he felt that he was hairy. So the mom, even people or you're around, even people you grow up with can also reinforce the identity you were never meant to be. This is how the enemy wants to control the church and wants to control you. The church is never meant to be segregated by races, by denominations, by people groups, by vaccination, unvaccinated, by, by mass or no mass. These things should not be. These things should not be. So the enemy is constantly trying to bring division to shape and control identity. And that's what, that's what Jacob, the, before he ever became Israel, Jacob's constantly dealing with identity issues and constantly he's having to, this idea of being a deceiver. So let's look at Genesis chapter 28. And so he actually became what his name was. And he was operating in the fruit, operating in the harvest of the outcome of his name. So now he, because he was a deceiver, now he's running from his brother. Let's look at verse 11. It says, and he came to a certain place and he stayed there overnight because the sun was set. Taking one of the stones of the place he put under the head and he laid down there to sleep. And he dreamed that there was a ladder set up on earth and the top of it reached to heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood over and beside him. Hallelujah. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father and the God of Isaac. And I will give to you and to your descendants the land on which you are lying. And your offspring shall be as countless as the dust of sand of the ground. And you shall spread abroad to the west, the east, the north, the south. And by you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed and bless themselves. And behold, I am with you and will keep watch over you and care and take notice of you wherever you may go. And I will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done all of which I told you. Wow. I mean, I'm going to do everything I told you. I'm going to do everything that I told you. And here Jacob wakes up from the dream. He wakes up from the dream and he says, and he goes, surely God is in this place. 
And he takes that, he takes that stone and he makes a pillar and he creates an altar and he calls that place the house of God. See what is happening. God is wanting to speak to his purpose. He's speaking to his destiny. He's speaking to, hey, you're not to be confined. You're not to be this, but you're going to be a father of many nations, just like your grandfather was. But so what was God doing? He was speaking to his destiny. You're not meant to run. You're not meant to run from your brother. You're meant to be a, 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 a part of this lineage of blessing, but yet you're being confined because you're running from your brother. So what happens next? What happens next is he, he gets, he he gets a wife uh, and, and he, he, it's interesting. He's like, he goes to Laban and he sees this girl at a well and he says, Hey, and Laban goes, what can I do for you? He goes, well, Hey, I want to marry her because she's good looking. I I want, I want her. And he's like, "Well, well, what can I do? He's like, well, um, work for me for seven years and you'll get her. Okay. Seven years go by. They go on the wedding day. And this is why I say alcohol is not a good thing. You can try to argue all you want, but alcohol is never a good thing. I mean, he wakes up and he turns over and it's the ugly sister. I I mean, it's like, I mean, I worked for seven years. So what was happening? Jacob, because he was deceiver had become deceived. So now he was operating in the fullness and receiving the fullness of his identity. And there was times in my life where I started operating in the fruit of the way I saw myself in the way that the enemy tried to afflict my life from the youth, from my youth. So what might've afflicted you from your youth? Because ultimately it's to control you and to keep you from the fullness of what God has for you. So what happens next? He, he goes, well, all right, if you work for me for another seven years, I'll, I'll, I'll give you Rachel. He said, okay, I, I can do that. So 14 years go by because of what he was afflicted with from his youth brought a 14 year delay. How many years are you delayed because of what you've been afflicted with from your youth? What's keeping you back from all that God might have for you, but yet you get right on the edge of it and something just knocks you back or you, I'm not, you know, I'm not good enough for that. I'm not good enough for all that God has for me because I am this, because I'm that I grew up here. I'm this color. I'm, I'm this, and this is happening and our nation is doing this and they're saying this, and this is all happening. And, and, and it's all it is, is the enemy. All it is the enemy trying to bring confinement to your life. Let's go to Genesis 32. So make a long story short, hopefully not a long story longer, but here he, he's leaving Laban's and even, even with his leaving Laban, he's still trying to, trying to figure out how to do things. He's, he's trying to figure it out. He's, he's like, okay, I, I hear Esau is coming this way. And he's like, well, I've been running from my brother and I've been over there, but And so he's still trying to, he's trying to manipulate things. He's trying to figure it out in his head. He's going, okay, what I'm going to do is, all right, I'll send this, we'll we'll separate into two bands and I'll send this group first and I'll have a bunch of gifts for him. And, 
so on the way, Esau will come, come, come by him and they'll give him the gift. gift. And what, I'm going to try to soften his heart. I'm going to make sure he just to soften his heart a little bit. And then, and then he's like, okay, then he's going to come across my other part of my family and they're going to give more gifts. And, and all of a sudden, you know, Esau is going to be, his guard's going to come down. Then I'm going to show up and Hey, we're going to hug and, you know, like, and we're going to embrace. It's going to be a great thing. And, and the angels are going to sing and everything's going to be awesome. And so this is what's going on, on the inside. He's trying to manipulate. He's trying to, he's trusting in what he can do. He's trusting in his ability to manipulate a situation to get a good result instead of just saying, God, you said you'd be with me. God, you said that you would bless me. You said that I would nations would be blessed by me and they would bless themselves. So instead of resting what God had declared over him here, 14, 15 years after that, that opening the windows of heaven that he's hearing these, he's still stuck with this identity of, I've got to make it happen. I've got to do it. I've got to save myself. I've got to, I've got to do this. Why? Because of his identity. I'm Jacob. But let's look at here in 30, chapter 32, verse 22. And he rose up in the night and he took his two wives and his two women servants and his 11 sons, and he passed over the ford of Jabbok, and he took them, and he sent them over the brook, and, and, and sent over that he had, pretty much sent all that he had. And Jacob was left alone. I, I think this is the, the key to where we all need to get, is Jacob had to get alone. It's easy to stay busy. It's easy to conform to the identity that everyone's expecting you to be. It's easy to step into that role that people want you to walk in or want you to be. There's, it's, there, there's, there's society wants the church to fit inside a certain mold. Just, 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 just shut up and just do your Jesus thing. Just... Don't, don't, don't say anything, you know, after all you, you know, you, you don't know anything about abortion or pro-life. You don't know anything about that church. You just need to be quiet and just take care of your, your tax exempt. So you just, you need to, you just kind of need to just be quiet. And so it's okay. We'll just, we'll just sit back. But yet that's not what God's called you to be. And that's not what God's called me to be. We, 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 there, we have an identity on the inside of us, yet the, the enemy is trying to afflict us with old identity. Whether it deals with addiction, whether it deals with abuse, whether it deals with, with pornography, what, it, what sexual sins, uh, you know, uh, you know, LGBT, whatever you, you want to consider. There's certain things that the enemy wants to totally overtake people's mind to get them to fit into an identity that will continue to breed destruction in their lives. The enemy wants to continue to afflict you from your youth to keep you from your destiny. So don't let the world shape. Where did you get the idea of how you see yourself or how you perceive yourself? Did it come from God or did it come from the world? 
Because if it came from the world or it came from friends or it came from social media, then ultimately you have the wrong picture of what God has for you. And that identity will bring you into a place of confinement. What has the enemy tried to afflict you from your youth? So here he's alone and he's, he's at an altar, so to speak. See, the altar is a place where his mercy is an altar is a place where, where you can hear from God and where, where he can speak to you about your identity. Until we surrender to his word and surrender to his voice, you'll never know your true identity and why you were created. Because everything else you've known up to this time, your identity is being totally shaped about the, about the world, your education, what someone's done to you, what someone said to you. You know, I, you know, I, I had a youth pastor uh, one time and he, um, and we were all, I was actually serving. I was on the leadership team and, and I remember sitting there and all of a sudden in the middle of the service, he just, he, he has this girl just stand up in the middle of the, of the, of the room. And she's, she's one of the leaders with us, went to Bible school. She was actually our worship leader for the, for the Bible school and, and had her come up to the front and, and looked her in the eye and said, you're ugly, you're disgusting. No one likes you. We don't know why you, 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 you even think that you're wanted here and, and you, your, your clothes are horrible. You smell and just, I mean, just berated her in front of 200 youth in there. And everyone's like, everyone's wanting to like, just take him out. But then he made his point. He said, what's the difference of me saying that and you thinking that yourself? What's the difference? See, identity is everything. It affects your decision. It affects how you walk into a room. It affects how you pray. It affects how, how, how you, you, you look at life. Y'all getting quiet on me. But the thing is, is, is the enemy doesn't want you to step in to the fullness of what he's created you to be. So Jacob had to be left alone. And it was at that time he had an encounter, it says with the man, but I believe it was actually Jesus. Because you look at Genesis chapter 16, it says the angel of the Lord. And you look in the, in the, in the Hebrew, it's, it's dealing with the same instance, but in this time it uses a man. That's why I believe it was Jesus himself, angel of the Lord. And he said he wrestles with him into day, until daybreak. And here Jacob is so determined of change. He's so determined that I'm tired of who I've been. I'm tired of, of this label that's been on me in my entire life. I'm tired of this. I don't want this anymore. And, and so much so where the, the angel Lord had to touch his, the, the hollow of his hip and, and to, get, to get Jacob to, to, to stand back a little bit. And, and he, he's holding on to him. He's holding on to him desperate. He's holding on to this angel of the Lord. He's holding on to this, this divine supernatural experience. And he's holding on to him. And he says, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. You know, you know, when we think of blessing, we think, we think of cars or houses and, and all these different things, but Jacob had all that. I mean, he, he got everything that Laban had because the blessing that was on his father was on him. He, I'm telling you, he, he was loaded. He that, those things don't mean anything if you don't know who you are. And here he is, he's wrestling with the angel of the Lord. He goes, don't let me go. And he says, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Think about it. He's having an encounter with God and he's not going to let God go. 
Wow. Meaning I need what you have. Have you stayed at the altar long enough in your life to get what he has? Have you stayed at the altar long enough or in the word long enough to allow him to reshape your values and your thought process? Or is it just a religious duty? See, he, he was in this place. He don't let me go till you bless me. And, and what was the response? Verse 27. And this is the response to the angel of the Lord. He says, and he said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men and hast prevailed. But he's saying, you're no longer a deceiver prevailing in your own works. But now you're Israel, one that is going to prevail with God and man with, with, with me. You see, he had to change. What was the blessing? An identity shift. An identity change. That's what each one of us need. We need a, it's not just, hey, I'm a Christian, but has that idea of being born again now all of a sudden shaped your actions and and shaped everything about your life? We have to have an identity shift. Say identity shift. Because it was the identity of Israel that was afflicting them and that was keeping them back from everything that God had for them. So the blessing had to do with identity. Let's go to Genesis 35. Are you with me? Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Verse 35. And God said to Jacob, arise and go to Bethel and dwell there. And make there an altar to God who appeared to you when you fled from the presence of Esau, your brother. What is he saying? Go back to where you created that altar the first time. Go back there. Then Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, put away the strange gods that are among you and purify yourselves and change your garments. See, sometimes we have to put away strange things. Then let us arise and go up to Bethel and I will make there an altar to God who answered me in the day of my distress and was with me wherever I went. See, he knew God's hand on him. He knew God's hand was on him everywhere he went from that moment, from that time where he, he saw that ladder. Let's look at verse. Thank you, father. Verse six. So Jacob came to Luz, that is Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan. He and all the people with him. And there he built an altar and he called the place El Bethel. The God of Bethel for there God revealed himself to him when he fled from the presence of his brother. Let's look at verse nine in God in a distinct and amplified says in God in a distinct and visible manifestation appeared to Jacob again when he came out of Padan Aram and he declared a blessing on him. And again, God said to him, your name is Jacob supplanter, but you shall not be called Jacob any longer. But Israel shall be your name. So he called him Israel, a contender with God. Now think about that. God had to tell him again. He had to remind him, no, you're still living. You're still living with the attitude of Jacob. No, remember, I called you Israel. And God said to him, I am God almighty. 
Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you and kings shall be born of your stock. The land which I gave Abram, Abraham and Isaac, I will give to you and to your descendants after you and I will give the land. Then God ascended from him in this place where he talked with, Jake, with him. And Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he talked with God, a pillar of stone. And he poured a drink offering on it and he poured oil on it. And Jacob called the name of that place where God had talked with him, Bethel, house of God. You see, at this altar, it was a place where God had changed his identity, gave him purpose, spoke into his future. That's what the altar is all about. The altar is a place where he shapes your identity and he speaks to your future. He'll never talk to you about your past at the, at the altar. Once you release that past, he's not going to bring it up. He's always going to talk to you about who your identity is in Christ. Go back to Isaiah, Psalms uh, 129. Psalms 129, verse 2. Many a time have they afflicted me from my youth, yet they have not prevailed against me. The plowers plowed upon my back and they made long their furrows. What does this mean? He's talking about from his youth. What, what happened? He's saying, he is saying the enemy, the plowers plowed upon his back, meaning, meaning that, that he took what the plowers, they had, they had ropes and they had, they had oxen and they had things that would create these lines. If you've ever seen a farmer farm and, and create these lines in the soil where they planted the seed and, and here they are, they're going through that. What is he saying? The enemy, the plowers plowed over my back. See, that's what the enemy wants to, wanted to sow a different future for them. The enemy wanted to plow them in a field they were never meant to be planted in. And that's what the enemy will do to us if we allow him to go, to push us down, to keep us down, to go over back. So you fulfill a, a destiny you were never meant to fill, fulfill, to have relationships you were never meant to have, to, to, to do things that you were never meant to do. But then verse four says, the Lord is righteous. Meaning, yeah, this is what the enemy wanted to do, but the Lord is righteous. And then what does it say? He cut asunder the cords of the wicked. Meaning that God did something about the bondage. God did something about the affliction. The thing that afflicted them from their youth is that God cut the cords of the wicked. I want you to know this morning through Jesus Christ, he has cut the cords of the wicked off of your life. The seeds that he tried to sow, the fields he tried to plant in your life, that he has cut the cords of the wicked. That's what the altar is all about. The altar is a place where you celebrate knowing that the Lord is righteous and he has cut the cords of the wicked. Identity. Identity. Go to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. I hate the enemy. I hate Satan and every demonic force. You know, we know Corinthians gives, gives us a, 2 Corinthians 4 gives us a great picture. It says that he blinds the minds that they believe not. 
so they don't see the light of the glorious gospel in Jesus. See, he wants to blind you to a wrong identity so it's hard for you to see the answer. But here in this, in this chapter, Matthew 16, Jesus is talking to his disciples and those that are following him. And he asks a question. He goes, who do men say that I am? Now, remember, Jesus is our altar. Okay. So here the altar is saying, who do men say that I, the son of men am? And they're like, well, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Some you're one of the prophets. But Jesus says, who do you say that I am? See, it's what you know him to be is where shaping your identity starts. Who do you know? Who do you say that I am? And Peter's like, well, you're, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus goes, blessed are you, Simon. Blessed are you, Simon, whose name means read. Easily shaken. I mean, so he comes out and his mom's like, Hey, I think I'll call him Simon. He's like a reed. He's easily shaken. But yet, he says, his flesh and blood didn't reveal to, to you, this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And he said, and Peter, you are no longer Simon, but you are Peter. What was happening? When, when he got an understanding, when he got a revelation of who Jesus' identity is. All of a sudden now, Jesus then shaped his identity. You see, when you know him to be the Christ, the son of the living God, he looks back to you and now speaks to you on what your true destiny is. And that's what he was doing with Peter. And that's where we live life from. We will live life from the identity that we have of who we see ourselves to be. And so this, this is such a, a great encounter and it's such a great picture that when you see him as the Christ, the, the anointed, the burden removing, yoke destroying power of God that would break off and cut, a cord, the, cut asunder the cords of the wicked. You know, what does he say? Okay, upon this revelation, Peter, you're no longer Simon, a reed that's easily shaken, but you are now Peter, like Gibraltar, that you will be established, you will be, you will be strong. So you have to get into the word, and when you get into the word and you get into him, he will reveal your strength. And what does he tell Peter? He goes, and upon this revelation, upon this understanding of the identity of who I am, I will build my church and what the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So we take these two verses. Many a times have you afflicted me from my youth. May Israel now say many a times has the enemy afflicted me from my youth, but what it shall not prevail against me. And what did Jesus say? Hey, this revelation that I am in the, I am the Christ. When you understand me being this identity, I'm telling you the gates of hell cannot prevail against you. You see, when you make Jesus the Lord of your life, when I make Jesus the Lord of my life, I can no longer be classified as Justin, the failure, or Justin, the fearful, Justin, and whatever label you might want to place on yourself, I am now a Christian. 
I am now Christ. And Colossians tells me that my life is hid with Christ in God. Just, there's just a couple verses I, I'm, I'm just going to read to you. As I, want you to, I want you to see that you have a, you've been given a new name. In Isaiah 56, verse 5, and this is right before the scripture where it, that I'll build, um, build my house and there will be a house of prayer. Two verses before that, it says this, To them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial, a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that I will endure forever. Isaiah 62, verse 2 says, And nations shall see your righteousness and vindication, your rightness and your justice. Not your own, but what he's ascribed to you, meaning what he's labeled you. And all kings shall behold your salvation and glory, and you shall be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord shall name. And then Isaiah 65, verse 15 says, and you will leave your name to my chosen, to those who will use it for a curse. And the Lord will slay you. Now listen to this. But he will call his servants by another name as much greater than the former name as the name Israel was greater than the name of Jacob. Wow. You see, he had to rename Jacob because Jacob needed to step into his true identity. And he has to give you and I a new name because we can't be associated with our identity of the past and who we were before. We have to be associated with our past of who we are in Jesus. See, we once were not a people. But what does the word say? But now we are the children of God. We once were, we once were rejected, but now we are a chosen generation. We once were a pauper, so to speak, but now we are a royal priesthood. You see, this, this is what we have. This is the identity that we need to renew our mind to. This is, this is what going to the altar is about. It's about going to the altar and allowing him to pour his identity into us so we can walk out the fullness of what he's called us to be. Stand to your feet. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. You see, we once were labeled a curse, but he placed a blessing on us. Wow. Man. Oh, Father, we thank you for your word today. I thank you for reshaping our identity where we've identified with so many things that have kept us back. I thank you that you pour into us fresh, new perspective. Fresh, new identity. Thank you, Father. You see, what the enemy speaks, as it pertains to your identity, what the enemy speaks, it will bring confinement. But what God speaks, it brings refinement. What the enemy speaks, he wants to bring confinement. But what God speaks, he brings refinement. What do I mean by refinement? Meaning that he refines you, that he takes off the things that don't belong. He takes off the labels. He takes off, he, 
he restores the mind. He, and he, he, he's out for with it, that refinement, meaning taking off the dross. So we become like gold. If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor Justin, I, I have been, I've walked out the labels that everyone's placed on me. I've become the label that people have spoken over me. I've, and I've kind of settled in my heart. It's kind of just like, it's just who I am. I've kind of laid hold of that identity. I've laid hold of what the enemy has said I am and and I just feel so confined and I know there's so much more in me. I know there's so many greater things for me to walk out and fulfill, but, but I, I need a, a fresh new perspective. I need a fresh new identity today, pastor. If that's you and you're saying, pastor, I need a new, a new identity because I'm tired of the confinement that I've that I've walked in. I'm tired of being defined by my past failures. I'm tired of being defined by my actions. I'm tired of being defined and, and the things that people said to me and the things that people did to me. And it just, it brought confusion to my life. And and, and I thought, well, this is just, you know, the way I am. And if that's you this morning, I, I want you to know that, that God wants to give you a new, fresh identity this morning. And it doesn't matter what spectrum that might have to do with, but, but, uh, but here come to the altar. I want you to come to the altar. If that's you and, and this word has really pricked your heart today and you're like, yes, I need a new identity. I'm tired of living out of my old ways and the old way of doing things. Just come down to the altar, come to the altar. It's a safe place. It's a healing place. Hallelujah. Thank you, father. Just come quickly, come quickly. Hallelujah. There's things our parents can speak over us. There's things that other people can, can just hurt us. so glad the word says that we walk by faith and not by sight. So glad faith is not based on what we feel. Yeah. Cause you may feel one way in the natural, but you need to get a new revelation of who God sees you are. He sees you as an overcomer. He sees you as victorious. Just everyone close your eyes for a moment and put your hand on your heart. You know, you know, hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. You know the labels that you call yourself. You know the labels that other people have called you. There's things that you hear and it just frustrates you. It upsets you. Now, whatever that word might be, whatever that identity might be, think of the total opposite of that. And that's what God sees. Thank you, Father. I 
thank you for the love of God being in this place. Here, healing hearts, restoring minds. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Oh, thank you, Father. Joseph, Rick, Eric, Nikki, can you pray for them? I believe there's some more people that, that need to come forward. Thank you, Jesus. You are a child of God. See, it's what comes from heaven, comes from him that refines you. It's what comes from the enemy that brings confinement. And my prayer is that we would break out of any and all confinement. I command the enemy to loose his hold of minds, loose holds of destinies and of purpose. I call forth destinies today. I call forth untapped potential today. Untapped potential come forth in Jesus' name. You are not what they labeled you to be. You are not what you label yourself to be. You are an anointed one. You are clothed with. You are filled with Jesus. You are filled with. You are wall to wall Jesus. Your identity is one of the anointed one. Your identity is one. Hallelujah. I just, I, I hear, and I'm not, this isn't necessarily for this lady here, but I just hear this, that there's words that a father has spoken over you that has brought torment to you. And those aren't words from God. Those are words from the enemy. There's words that a Spouse has spoken over you and spoken into you and they are not God's words. Be released from the attack and the prison that those words have brought into their hearts in the name of Jesus. Be loosed from that infirmity today. Be released from that affliction today. Be loosed from that confinement today. You are a child of God. Sing that out, Cassie. Holy, holy, holy. I am a child of God. I'm no longer slave to fear.
declaration. Hallelujah. Sometimes we can face abuse in our lives, in our past, and all of a sudden, because of the perpetrator, we take on the identity of I deserved it or it was my fault or it was because of this or that instead of just recognizing it it was the enemy to destroy your future and there's some futures that need to be possessed I'm telling you, you need to lay hold of your future. Lay hold of your purpose. Lay hold of the assignment that God has for you. So not, you have to shake off with the enemy saying, yeah, you, you deserved it or this or that and, and, and different excuses. But no, you've got a destiny. You've got a purpose. You have an assignment that has to be fulfilled. I declared you are no longer who you used to be, but you are God's. You're chosen. And he will fulfill with his hands what he's promised with his mouth over your life. Do you receive that today? Give him a shout of praise if you've received that.